So at first glance, today's reading may feel so ancient that it's irrelevant, <laughs> but look close enough and you will discover an invitation extended, one of divine generosity, of divine abundance, and divine provision. It's an ancient invitation, but it is still offered to us even now. All we need to do is come near enough to recognize it. How do we recognize God's presence within us and around us? How can our listening aid us in accessing these divine resources? How can the things of God help us cope with our current realities? The shortest response I can think of is through the awareness of our own becoming. The more we draw near to God, the more we develop a posture of listening, the more we cultivate our spiritual practices so that we can be clear-sighted and spiritually awake, the more we grow in our awareness that in every moment of every day, we are becoming. The reason it's such a tricky process isn't because it's not happening in your life. It's not because you aren't spiritual enough or you aren't good enough or you aren't disciplined enough. It's likely just because we're only practiced in noticing the big shifts, the big evolutions. But our becoming is not made up of only big transformations. It's sneakier than that. Of course there are those occasional, no doubt about it, moments. Of course there are the rare, very rare, epiphanies or revelations. But most often our lives are made up of small becomings. Day after day of integrating our daily lives with our faith paradigms. Year after year of attention to the divine, decades worth of learning and unlearning and making mistakes and growing from it and then doing it all over again, we are becoming all the time. And this simple knowledge can be the fuel we need to energize our weary faith muscles. This truth that we are people of God, made in God's image, God's very spirit pulsing through our veins is the reminder we need that movement is happening within us at all times. As long as we are breathing, we are becoming. It's as effortless as muscle memory, but the awareness of it can change everything. And I am reminded of that scene, naturally, from Karate Kid. <laughs> Obviously, I was gonna go there. The one where Mr. Miyagi agrees to become Daniel's sensei, and in their initial lessons, he has Daniel doing all sorts of chores, like sanding a wooden floor, refinishing a fence, painting the house, and my favorite, waxing Miyagi's collection of classic cars. And y'all, he has a lot of cars. I don't know if you ever noticed that. A lot of classic cars. <laughs> he shows Daniel the proper motion saying, wax on, wax off. And in fact, each of the chores includes a particular movement becoming Daniel's initial karate training. <laughs> At first, Daniel is unable to see the connection between these mundane moments and the training he has so eagerly sought out, and he gets frustrated with his teacher. Is the training happening? Yes. Does he recognize it for what it is? No. 
But then Mr. Miyagi reveals what Daniel could not perceive from the midst of his labor, that all that time he had been learning defensive blocks. And the ritual of doing the various chores over and over had created a muscle memory within him. Not only did he know more karate than he realized, but the knowledge that he had in fact been becoming all that time strengthened his trust in the process. The awareness of it changed everything. And quite naturally, all of this reminds me of Jana. <laughs> yeah, I mean, now, as far as I know, Jana doesn't know karate, um, but Jana knows ministry. And Jana embodies the path of Christ as natural as the muscle memory she's developed for it all these years. Those of us blessed enough to have borne witness to Jana's becoming know that her ordination as a minister of the gospel is no surprise. And yet, as she has mentioned, if you glance at her daily life without this knowledge, you might not recognize it right away. Jana doesn't work as a pastor. It's her daily job. You've heard it already. She's not even in a Christian or in a faith context. Her title is Licensed Clinical Social Worker in Palliative Care at the Cancer Center at Baylor Scott & White, and it's a title she ought to be proud of. Because daily, here is what Jana does. She walks alongside the seriously ill individuals, many of whom are not expected to overcome their illness, many of whom are not expected to live. Every day she chooses to go down into the depths of people's pain. She faces the reality of mortality head on with strangers. And while she'll be the first to say it's hard work, she doesn't shy away from the difficulty. She takes her breath and she walks through the door day after day. She shows up in this gritty work that comes with little reward and she puts her whole heart into it. And it's evident that it has shaped her and been her teacher as well, teaching her not just about holding space for pain or expanded capacity for grief, not just about developing stamina for hardship, but it has also revealed to her the richness of life, when to hold joy, when to rest and delight. Jana's becoming a minister has been so inevitably in the works for quite some time through her current work that she described with oncology and her many years of loving and caring for immigrants and working for compassionate immigration reform in her past context of caring for those with HIV and AIDS of course in her leading in our community as the lead deacon in the beauty of all her relationships in the various webs of community and I wonder if this is not the hands and feet of Christ what is? If this is not the gospel embodied, what could possibly be? Like Jesus, Jana has most often stepped outside of traditional religious pathways to do her healing work. Like Jesus, she has not shied away from the most neglected, offering glimpses of heaven on earth in the here and now. Like Jesus, she chooses solidarity with those suffering ditching the platitudes, yet somehow still offering glimmers of hope in the most unhopeful situations. And yet this hasn't always been a clear as day knowing for Jana. This path has not always felt obvious to her. It certainly wasn't how she saw things playing out in seminary or in our social work program. Jana's becoming leading to ordination has been a bit sneakier than that. It's been a more of a looking back and realizing she just might know karate kind of becoming. <laughs> 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 
In many ways, it has been unexpected in its form, and yet it is this very unexpectedness that tells me Jana is right on track because it is so like the path of the Christ we follow. Who he was, how he operated, was so far from what the people expected from a Savior or a Messiah. But in the Beatitudes, Jesus gives clarity on what he is all about. He preached a word that flipped the notions of power and reputation and abundance on its head. He reframed goodness and purity. He prioritized vulnerability and meekness. He centered the suffering. His message was so radically unexpected. And our call to follow in his way is not unlike that invitation we see in Isaiah, the one that offers us the fullness of divine resources, the one that reminds us, however, it may not look exactly like we expected it to look, the one that calls us into a posture of humility via listening so that we can recognize the truth and come into divine alignment through our very own becoming. We can be people who reflect the image of God in our daily lives, no matter our situations, or our age, or our jobs, or our circumstances. Jana has positioned herself in this way, dedicating her life to the way of Christ. As an agent of Christ, she offers love and care and healing to all in her proximity and like Christ, especially to those most vulnerable. It is divine work, and Jana dares to do it. She does it with or without our permission or affirmation. She does it because it's her calling, it's who she is. And today, this moment is simply a milestone, a collective acknowledgement that we and those around her are ministered to through her work and her play and her serving and her existing. We have been and are ministered by Janice Sneaky Becoming. Don't blink or you might miss it because her path, like Christ's, is subversive. But it's so perfectly fitting for the type of people we like to ordain around here. Our ministry, our ministry, our work, our calls, there's no labels to them. There's no boxes around them. We're not contained by titles. And because of this, no matter the context now or in the future, we know there will always be work to do. There will always be that compelling invitation that guides us on our Christ path. And as we take it, each of us in our own ways, may we embody that same generosity and abundance and inclusion of the God we follow. And may we, the knowledge of our inevitable becoming, embolden us on our way. And so now with this in mind, I want to invite Jana to come forward, stand here, and face the church who ordains you this morning. This is a time of promise-making, using promises that have been a tradition at each one of our now 10 ordination services over the years. These vows have been passed down from generations, but were given to us by mentor to previously Pastor Kyle Tubbs, and they have been used in all of our ordinations since. So Jana, as you stand here, know that God and your friends and your family, all of us present, we hear these promises. They may seem lofty and even unattainable. Know that we don't ask you to take them as some legalistic measure, but as a reminder to continue imitating the life of Christ. So if you would just respond with an expression of affirmation of commitment with, I will. Will you promise that like Jesus who went to the house of outcast Zacchaeus, you will notice and befriend the lonely or despised persons along your path? 
Will you promise that like Jesus who sat with the Samaritan woman at the well, you will take time to visit with those whose shame and lack of self-worth caused them to be alienated from others? Will you promise that like Jesus who healed both Nicodemus and Bartimaeus, you will work to rectify what keeps people, rich or poor, from seeing life and all its abundance? Will you promise that, like Jesus, who listened to and learned from the Syrophoenician woman, you will be willing to be instructed and changed by the people you have the opportunity to serve? Will you promise that, like Jesus, who cast out a legion of evil spirits from a poor man in the tombs, you will help survivors to release their own demons so they can experience more hopeful life? Will you promise that, like Jesus, who was highly sensitive, that he could feel the touch of a frightened woman in a crowd, you will be responsive to those who interrupt your agenda and claim your energy? Will you promise that, like Jesus, who gave Peter another chance to prove his love and loyalty, you will forgive and continue to trust those who inevitably will disappoint or deny you? Will you promise that, like Jesus, who blessed little children and built them up as worthy examples for the believers, you will affirm the young and always let them know you believe in them? This is going to be a hard one. Are you ready? Will you promise that, like Jesus, who rode a small donkey into Jerusalem, you will never climb on your high horse to lord it over those to whom you have been sent to embody good news? Will you promise that, like Jesus, who washed dirty feet of even Judas Iscariot, you will perform acts of service, getting your hands dirty for even the most unlovable? Finally, will you promise that, like Jesus, who was willing to lay himself down for his flock, you will give yourself wholeheartedly to God's beloved in your care? Having witnessed your attitude and humility and your reliance upon God and hearing your testimony and your promises, I gladly confirm you, Jana, as my sister and calling the ministry. And now, as is our tradition, Zach is going to come up and share from the Ordination Council. Can I have a vote? <laughs>